Hi, guys. Who loves a party? Yeah, so do I. That's why I have some balloons. I'm going to be talking about irresistible invitation. Is there a party that you've really wanted to go to, that you got an invitation and you just had to go because it was going to be so much fun? Yeah? What was the f- your most favourite thing at that party to do? Put your hand up. What was your favourite thing to do? Play. Okay, you like to play? What, how about you? Go on the big slides. Ooh, the slides. That sounds like a cool party. How about you guys? Pass the parcel. Ooh, Pass the Parcel is a very fun game. I went to a place and we it was a jumping castle place and you could jump on all the castles. Ooh, jumping castles. That sounds like lots of fun. Some of the parties that I have been to, we have had some games. Now, if you all stand up, I have a game of freeze. This game is where some music plays and when it stops, you have to freeze your body, Okay. Mr. Music. Move, move, move. Oh, who moved? Oh, good. No one moved. Let's keep going. Going. Oh, I saw someone move. That's right. One more time. Let's see how we go. going to get out. Oh, oh, Paris! (laughs) Paris kept moving. Okay, thanks for playing. Some other things at parties that I really like is food. (laughs) Everyone loves food. So I have some fairy bread. Now I don't know if there's enough, so some people can have a little bit, okay? But maybe I'll pick those who are sitting really beautifully. Ooh, this is going to be difficult. There is other food. It's okay. You won't miss out. I promise. Ooh, food I love. Fairy bread is definitely a party food. That's all right. Ooh, you guys are so good. This is really difficult to choose. Maybe I might get uh, Paris to... Keep choosing while I keep going. Now, something else that is at a party, because I went to a four-year-old's birthday party the other day. There are party hats. Who likes to wear party hats? So do I. So if you want to pass them out, you can all put a party hat on, because party hats are amazing. So something that you need to be invited to a party, what could that be? An invitation. An invitation. I have an invitation for all of you to the best party, and that party is in heaven. So I have some invitations for you because everyone is invited to this party. All you have to do is accept the invitation, and you are more than welcome to come. So when, when you guys have all got your party hats, I'll get you to come up the front, get an invitation and some lollies, okay? So if you line up in an orderly fashion, we will all have some lollies and invitations.
So me and my family, we'd been out at Coonabarabran, which is a small country town about four and a half hours away from here, and we're driving back, and it was late at night, and we're almost home, we just got past Cessnock, and we're all in that sort of agitated state where you've been in the car for too long, you're pressed up against people, they touch you, you just want to hit them back. Well, sort of in that stage, and then what no one hopes happens to them when they're on a long journey and they're almost home, we got a flat tyre. So... We pull over to the side of the road, everyone's ah, even more frustrated, and Dad gets out of the car, and um, he gets the, the jack out of the back of the car, he gets a spare tyre off, and he gets, I forget what it's called, but you know those like, things that looks like a cross, and you twist it to get the nuts off? He got one of those as well. Anyway, so he gets out, and he's trying to crack the nuts so he can get the, the flat tyre off and put the spare one on, but it won't budge. It's like, ah, great. Anyway, so that, my dad, he's a pretty big guy, he's quite large as well, so... When that didn't work, just twisting it with our arms, I held, I held it in place and he was jumping on it to see if we could spin these nuts and get the tire off. Still nothing happened. So like, ah. So then we thought, ah, now's a good time to pray because what else do you do when you've got no other options? So we prayed. And up until that stage, there hadn't been a single car that had driven past us because it was, I don't know, some ridiculous time of night. But as soon as we had prayed, we see a car coming down the opposite way to the direction we were travelling. We didn't wave it down or anything, but I pulled over to the side of the road and this lady gets out and she goes, how are you going guys? Do you need a hand, mate? And so she was a little bit rough. She used a few words that aren't worth repeating, but she came over and we're thinking, oh, like, we couldn't get off. We had two guys trying to get off. How is she going to help us? Anyway, she was very happy to help us, so we said, why not? And somehow she was able to twist it and get the spare tyre off. It was pretty amazing. And then so she says, good night. Oh, as, as we're doing it, Dad began talking to her, just asking questions like, oh, where are you from? Like, what are you doing? Sort of thing. And she was just giving us these real vague answers like, oh, just around here. Like, yeah, it was, it was quite an unusual conversation. Anyway, she gets back in her car and drives off. So she drives down past us in the same direction, but then she does a U-turn and drives back the way she was coming. So we were quite perplexed, and we believe... Um, more than one of us was convinced that she was sent by God in that situation. I'm not sure if she realised it, but God had used her, and I believe it was a providential encounter to grow our faith. It wasn't a life-changing experience or something that completely transformed us, but um, God's used a number of situations where, for our family. We've been um, out of petrol or had a flat tyre, and we've come to realise that God will always come through. So God uses these circumstances to show his power through ways and people that we wouldn't imagine. Um, During our Irresistible series, we had Pastor Steve come and share with us part of his journey and about how God used a um, providential relationship to help um, transform transform his life so that he became a follower of Jesus. And these irresistible encounters can be described as providential relationships, meaning relationships that are planned by God, And when this occurs, we hear something from God through someone, or we see God in someone, and this in turn grows our faith. Pivotal circumstances can also be described as irresistible encounters. These are defining moments that occur in our lives, and the event itself might not be all that amazing itself, but how we interpret it can really um, grow our faith. I was sitting, um, I was at big camp one year, and I really wanted to get down to the beach that morning. They were good waves, the sun was shining from memory, and 
um, I was with my dad and he said, oh, do you want to come with this, to this small group Bible study that was running in the morning? I think it was about 11. I didn't really want to go. I wanted to go to the beach with all my friends. Anyway, I was eventually convinced that it wouldn't be all that bad and it wouldn't go for too long. I went, I went to the Bible study. I sat through it. It was on the Holy Spirit. And I didn't really find it all that engaging. Like, it was nice. But we got to the end of it and I was sitting next to um, one of the persons, people that in my life has been a really um, spiritual mentor for me. So that was probably the best part about it. I got to sit next to him. Anyway, they were praying at the end, and he tapped... I don't think I even had my eyes closed. I think I was just sitting there. Anyway, he taps me on the shoulder and says, Hey, Jeremy, there's an angel standing in the corner of the room. And that just blew my mind. I was like, that is amazing. I thought it was the coolest thing. I couldn't see it, but I um, believe that this gentleman that I was sitting next to could see it. And even though that it wasn't the actual Bible study that um, grew my faith, God used this gentleman to um, increase my faith and gave me a desire to actually want to grow closer to him and be more aware of the spiritual battle that's happening all around us all the time. Many of you might have stories or people that you can recall from your lives where um, you can reflect and realize that God has used this encounter to grow your faith. When I was thinking about the Bible and um, irresistible encounters, the first one that came to mind was, um, is found in Acts 8 verse 26. You may know the story of Philip and the eunuch. And I'll just read it out for those um, who haven't heard it before. So Philip was a follower of Jesus. It says, As for Philip, the angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Kadeki, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over, walk along the side of the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, Do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The story continues, and eventually they find some water, and Philip baptizes this man. As followers of Jesus, if we are connected with him or in tune, as Philip was to the Holy Spirit's leading, we can be used by God to be a part of irresistible encounters for other people's lives. We can't force these circumstances, but if we are available and we are willing, God can use us to reveal um, him to other people through us. So it was Philip's connection with the Holy Spirit that enabled him to be used by God. Um, When I was a lot younger, I was playing a a playground one day just on the park and there was this other little um, guy playing on the playground with me. I don't know how it started, but it just seemed so easy. I said, do you know Jesus? And he said, yeah, I do. And it was cool. It was one of the coolest uh, memories I have. We ended up sitting on the swings and just talking about Jesus. Like, Jesus is so cool. He died for us. Hey, he's like, yeah, man, that's the best. Hey. And most of us, we probably didn't fully understand the consequences of Jesus dying for us. But just by being willing and just asking this other little guy, have you met Jesus? We had this awesome conversation and I remember walking away feeling really uplifted and happy about that. I just want to finish this Bible verse, finish with this Bible verse. It's found in Hebrews 10 verse, um, chapter 10, verse 24 to 25. And it says, And let us consider how we may spur on one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I just want to emphasize, let us consider. As followers of Jesus, we can't control irresistible encounters, but we can learn to look out for them 
and be ready for an environment where God can use us to grow faith, grow the faith of other people that are around us. I just wanted to read to you guys from um, John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Isn't that the most beautiful encounter we could ever have?
the young people didn't ask me how old I am when they gave me this shirt. Very kind of you. I apologize to those that know the story, but I say it for the benefit of those that do not know it. When I was in uh, grade three at school, I have reached the pinnacle of my patience, and I have said in my heart, this is enough. I said, whoever created school wasn't made for me. So, full of desperation, then I lost all hope and meaning and purpose. I went to church one Sabbath morning. And the preacher, very inspired, he used a passage from the gospel where he said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. That's all I remember. I don't even know who preached that sermon. I'm not even sure what he, what, he, what he said after that. But that was the verse that I took home. And remember, I was grade three or four at school. I went home and I thought about that verse. And I went on my knees in my bedroom. And I said, dear Lord, I have faith in you. I have faith as small as a mustard seed. Can you please move this mountain that is in the middle of my home city and put it on top of my school? And I know there are a number of teachers here in this church, and they may be wondering. And I had a, uh, an amendment to my prayer. Can you please do it when there's no one in the school? We don't want any casualties. So I prayed, and as every man of faith gets up, and he looks at the mountain. And the mountain was still there. And I said, there must have been something wrong with my faith. I went back to my bedroom, fell on my knees, and, sa- and I said, God, you're right. The first time when I prayed, I actually doubted you. But this time, I have faith. Can you please move that mountain? The Bible says, you know, you quote the Bible now. The Bible says, if you have faith, as, as small as a mustard seed. So I prayed, I finished in Jesus' name, got up, and I went to see if the mountain was still there. And to my, I guess to my surprise, the mountain was still there. And I said, there must be wrong. There must be something wrong with my faith. I went back the third time. And I said, God, I do have faith. And just to prove you that I do have faith, 
This time, after my prayer, I am not going to check on the mountain. I am not going to look out the window and see if the mountain is still there or not. So I prayed, and I said, in order to prove my faith in you, I will not look out the window. And I stayed in my bedroom for about 10 minutes. And apparently I was getting very thirsty and I had to go out in the kitchen to to have a drink of water. Mind you, from my kitchen window I could see the mountain. So I went for that supposedly water. And unfortunately as I was drinking I looked as you do and the mountain was still there. I praise God that experience didn't mark the end of my faith. Why do I say this? Because one of the most common teachings of the Bible, one of the most essential elements of Christian experience, Christian walk, is faith. By faith we accept creation, that God created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh. By faith we accept redemption, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and my sins, and his sacrifice was sufficient for us. By faith, we look forward to the return of Jesus Christ. We do not have that evidence, but by faith, we look forward to that event. And by faith, we cling on to God when life collapses around us. You see, faith is not a magic wand that we can use and we twist in our hand in order to force God to do something that we want him to do. Faith is not a magic wand. Faith is not a power. Faith is not about getting your own way, but rather faith is trusting that God's way is best. There are Christians who say, if you believe hard enough, and if you you pray long enough, things will happen. But the question arises, what if those things do not happen? What if after you believed long enough and you prayed hard enough, things do not turn out the way you hoped they would? What then? What's next? Therefore, irresistible faith is not about getting your own way, but rather trusting that in all circumstances of life, God is in control, that whatever hits you is filtered by His love. Irresistible faith is not forcing your own will upon God, but rather accepting God's will in your life. Someone came up with this amazing acronym which I would like to share with you based on the word faith. And they said, faith is this, forsaking all, I trust Him. Just think of the the letters in the word faith. Forsaking all, I trust Him. And this is what defines irresistible faith. And this, of course, begs the question, how do I develop this type of faith? How do you develop this type of faith that you cling onto Jesus when the mountain doesn't move? This type of irresistible faith that clings onto Jesus when the seas do not part like at the Red Sea. That type of irresistible faith that clings onto Jesus when you pray and the cancer doesn't go away. How do you get this irresistible type of faith? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we get the gospel and it says, Faith doesn't come from us. We do not work. We do not build it. But rather, Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. 
which means he is the one that plants the seed of faith in your heart, and he is the one that is responsible of growing faith in you. So what's our part? Our part is the best one. We get to be with Jesus in order to, in order to grow that faith, in order to develop that irresistible faith. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says this, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. In other words, the Bible tells us that faith needs a foundation, and the foundation for faith is the Bible. It's by being with Jesus. It's by being in His presence. Which means this. The less time you spend with the Bible throughout the week, the less time you spend at church on the Sabbath, the less time you spend in a small group or in a Sabbath group or in a Bible study group, the less you surround yourself with people that do not share values found in the Bible, the less your faith is going to be, the lesser is going to be. Someone said this, the less time you spend with the truth, the easier it is to believe lies. The less time you spend with the truth, the easier it is to believe lies. And if we spend, on average, three minutes in the Word of God throughout the week, but then we immerse ourselves in three hours of Hollywood values and social values, which one do you think is going to grow? The less time you spend with the truth, the easier it is to believe lies. So if you'd like to develop an irresistible faith that holds on to God when the mountain doesn't move and the seas do not part, all that Jesus is inviting us is to abide in his presence, is to hang out with him, is to be with him in his word. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as I finish this morning, I want to ask the question, what does irresistible faith look like? What does it look like? Have you ever seen it? Do you have it? I want to share this Bible verse that comes from Gospel of Luke chapter 5, verse 12. Gospel of Luke 5, verse 12 says this, and, it's, and it happened when Jesus was in a certain city, and behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. He fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. There are many instances or many passages you can choose in the Bible to talk about faith. But I believe this verse talks about a perfect faith and is found in the heart of a leper. And before we look at his request, let's look at his life. Leprosy in the first century was one of the worst things that he could have. You had to be outside the village. You had to live on your own. You could no longer hold the hand of your children. You could no longer tell them to run to you so you can grab them and hug them and swing around with your babies. If you had leprosy, you could no longer hold your wife's or your partner's hand. You could no longer kiss them and show them love. 
You could no longer go to a friend's house and have a meal with them. You could no longer come to a place of worship where people sing songs and they hear the word of God. They hear words of hope and comfort. If you had leprosy, you might as well be dead in the first century. Everything that was good was taken away from you. Not only that, you had to be secluded. And if you saw someone come to you, all you had to do was just shout unclean and say, Depart from me, I've got leprosy. And as this man lost everything in his life, he had nothing left to live for, he heard about Jesus. He heard about Jesus. And he said, I need to go and see Jesus. But how can I go and see him when I'm not, around, I'm not allowed to be around people? But he said, I'll do it. And as Jesus was surrounded by a great crowd, as Jesus was sharing stories and people were listening, they were comfortable in their position because they were healthy and they were fit and they had their families around them and they could stay, stay at home as families were enjoying their time with Jesus. Here you have this leper. And that's, that he, he starts shouting, depart from me, I've got leprosy. And he was running towards Jesus. And everyone started to move away from Jesus. And everyone started to move away from the leper. And the only one that didn't move was Jesus. Because Jesus was waiting for this leper. Because the leper had one element that Jesus wants us to have. And that is irresistible faith. And as this leper finished saying, unclean, unclean, run away from me, and we realized that Jesus didn't actually run away from him, he fell on his knees before Jesus and he said this powerful prayer, which is a perfect picture of faith. He said, Lord, if you are willing. In other words, this leper said, Jesus, I know you can do it. I have no doubt in my mind that you have the power to heal me right now here. There is no doubt. However, what the leper was implying in his prayer was this. Is it within your will for me to be healed? And that's where the perfect faith comes into place. And this is what makes irresistible faith. The leper said, I have no question in my mind that you have the ability to work in my life and deliver me from what I have. But is it within your will to do it now? You see, the leper was willing to submit himself to God's will and to God's timing. And this is what makes faith irresistible. Faith is not about getting our own way. It's about trusting God's way. That in all circumstances and when life doesn't make sense, we can be assured that God knows what He's doing. So what's my appeal to you? My appeal to you is that you will take the time to be with Jesus. As the pastor, or as one of the pastors of this church, this is my daily prayer for the members. That they will take the time to be with Jesus because there is nothing more powerful than being in God's presence. That's where faith grows. 
That's where you develop your irresistible faith. As I said before, someone came up with this idea. The less time you spend with the truth, the easier it is to believe lies. The less time you spend with Jesus, the easier it is to believe the doubts that Satan will bring into your mind that God is no longer interested in your life or concerned about your circumstances. That's why this morning I want to flip that idea and say to you, the more time you spend with the truth, and Jesus is the truth, the more time you spend with the truth, the harder it is to believe lies. The more time you spend with Jesus, the harder it will be for you to believe the doubts that Satan will try to plant into your mind. So a relationship with Jesus will develop irresistible faith in your heart so that in all circumstances you will be able to have irresistible faith that says, forsaking all, I trust him. Amen.